Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Icons, we got to talk about Cozy. I love anything Cozy. And specifically, I want to talk about Cozy, the North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, high-quality products, super-fast delivery, and easy assembly. Cozy offers beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals. So if you want to get something for your living room, but you're not sure if you just want a sofa, a love seat, or if you want a sectional, they have all of it, and they are uh, made to adapt to your space. This means customers can add seats to their sofas over time. So if they get one thing, you can always add to it in the future. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, some wall shelving. I have a credenza from there, as well as uh, they have TV stands, accessories. I also have a rug from there that I love because it's washable. I can throw it in. Uh, and everything's designed with purpose. So when designing its furniture, Cozy focuses on the customer experience to make sure it offers a product that's super easy, like I said, elegant and durable, easy to assemble, I should say. And uh, the products will fit the person's needs. You can also get outdoor sofas and coffee tables. And so it's not just indoor. And uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level. So you can check that out. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com to start customizing your furniture. Let's take a quick break here and we'll be back with more. So who is for you and who is against you? I don't know. You should ask them. Well, but you said when this is all over, I'm going to remember who was for me and who was against me. Yes, I'm keeping score. You are keeping score. Uh Uh-huh. So what's the score so far? I'm going to keep that to myself. I'm going to keep that to myself. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. We're in week three of The Real Houses of Beverly Hills Reunion. It's still delivering for me. And I love when Andy gives a whelp, like he gives a... (laughs) He did in that questioning with Bamboozled Jane. Because the housewives often, they give an answer, and then Andy's got to call him out and say, well, actually, that's not it. That's not correct. So he says, well, well, and I love when he does that. I really do. I think he's doing a great job. Although I do believe that maybe they recorded all of the Bamboozled Jane interview questions with Andy and, and her about the marriage, about Tommy Two Tones, all of that stuff. I think they recorded it in one big chunk, and they're sparsing it out over the four weeks, which is fine by me, because I think we're all tuning into this reading to hear about that stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm sort of interested in Crystal's leather pants, but I don't know that that can sustain a four-part reunion. So they had to do it. Uh, but some of the other times, I think last week, there were a couple moments, I'm like, what are we doing here? It was like Rena talking about Florence Pugh. And now this week, there was a couple moments where I was like, what are we doing here? Like this, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel to fill out the rest of the episode. However, I'm still really enjoying it. Uh, and it's just the golden era of TV. I'm feeling so blessed. We had the Real Houses of Beverly Hills reunion. We have Winter House, which is bringing our dear Lindsay Hubbard from Summer House back in the mix. She's getting activated in the new Winter House, although they're all falling in love with Austin. You guys know how I feel about that. And there's so much TV on. We got Vanderpump Rules. I thought it was finally a really good week of Vanderpump Rules. In my opinion, it was shocking reveal between Brock and Shishi, all the stuff that's going on with his uh, former family. And then we have so much other TV going on. Sunday nights is overwhelming. Between Potomac, Salt Lake City Housewives, we got Insecure, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Succession are all back. If you're not watching Succession, you need to. I thought last week's episode was one of the best hours of television. It's about this business mogul family and the kids, and there's all this deception amongst the family. It's like Housewives-esque, really rich, ritzy family, a so layered And I've been trying to get everyone to watch it. Anyone I know who isn't watching Succession, I'm like, you need to be watching it. It's a slow build. The first few episodes, I thought were really slow. And I hate when people tell me, you know, give it four episodes. Because I always think, if it's not working in four episodes, like, fuck it, I'm done. Do you get what I mean? So I do think you need to stick with it. And if you don't want to stick with it, I get it. Because neither do I usually. But this show is really, really good. 
And I got my parents into it, although my mom called me the other day. She's really into it now. <laughs> she, she, we were talking on the phone. I was like, what did you think of the episode? And she's like, she's like, Dan, I didn't realize uh, one of my favorite actors is in it. And I'm like, who are you talking about? She's like, the guy from Home Alone. And I'm thinking she's meaning Kieran Culkin, who played Fuller in Home Alone. Like, I don't know if you guys know that. Macaulay Culkin's brother in real life was Fuller, the cousin in Home Alone. Okay, is this all making sense? He's one of the kids on Succession. He's a grown adult man. He's very devious. He's got a great character. The whole nine. So that's what I'm thinking my mother is talking about. And then come to find out later in the conversation, she's talking not about him, who was actually in the Home Alone franchise. She's talking about one of the the main guy, the lead guy, Brian Cox is the actor. He's the dad in it. One of his, like, sort of uh, the people around him, she thought was Uncle Frank from the Home Alone movies. Look what you did, you little jerk! <laughs> so the whole time we're having this conversation, I think she's talking about, I'm like, oh yeah, Fuller, it's Macaulay Culkin's little brother. And she's like, but he's older, Dan. And I was like, well, no, in real life, Kieran Culkin, or Kieran Culkin, however you say his name, is younger than Macaulay Culkin. She's like, no, he looks so old in this. And I was like, what are you talking about? He looks so old. He doesn't look that old. She's like, he's just so old. I can't imagine he aged like that, Dan. And then I come to find out she's talking about Uncle Frank, one of the henchmen or whatever of the main Dan. <laughs> Uncle Frank. And I was like, Mom, that's not Uncle Frank. I don't know what Uncle Frank is up to these days, but he's not in succession. But I do like to imagine, though, that succession is like exclusively hiring Home Alone actors now for this, this series. You know, it's the most acclaimed series on HBO. And they just, they're putting Buzz in there. And the guy who played Buzz's girlfriend is in this show. Like, I'm just imagining. <laughs> And I would like that, to be honest. You know, I love the Home Alone movies. You guys understand. Uh, but it is not it is not Uncle Frank. If anyone's curious, he's not in this show. Maybe he will be. We get him in there. Maybe a casting director is listening to this podcast. Get him in there. Get him in there. Uh, okay, you guys, we got to talk about Beverly Hills. Now, we open with all of the Kathy stuff. They're really just replaying what happened at the end of last episode. And I don't appreciate when they do that. I'm sorry. There's a couple things I really don't like production-wise, and then I know that – I always try to compliment them, too, because we love production. But I don't love when they just replay something so much. I know they got to give us a little clip to like catch us up. I get that. But it felt like an extended version of what we saw last week, and I was like, we're just filling time here. And we saw that whole crying scene between Kath and Kyle last week, although I get a little of it. Then the other thing that these shows do that I hate is that – as we're going to commercial, they say coming up on. And I don't know if you watch the Melbourne Housewives. They're doing like two minutes uh, versions of this, but they're going to commercial and they're like coming up on. And then they show everything we're going to see after the commercial. I'm like, what are we doing here? Stop giving it away. I'm like reaching for the remote because I don't want anything spoiled. I want to see it happen in real time. And I feel like it ruins some of the effect, the dramaticness of it when we come back from commercial. So I wish they would stop doing that. And while we're here, actually, I do have to also say on Bravo, they're doing a lot of naming for these people. On Vanderpump Rules, every time anyone's on screen, they're showing us who's the name of the character. And so it's like, we know who Katie Maloney is. She's been with us for nine seasons or something. I don't need them to label Katie. And they're doing it with every cast member on Vanderpump Rules. And Winterhouse is doing it, too. It's like, I get that's Austin. He's on 100 fucking shows on the network. I know who that man is, unfortunately. Unfortunately, I understand who that is. And so I don't really know what, uh, I don't know why they're showing us the titles on these people all the time. You know, I get it for if, if it's not a main cast member, it's a friend or something, but they're doing it with the main cast members now. And it's like, what's happening here? I, I know who Tom Schwartz is. I know Sandoval. Also, this isn't production related, but just as we're here, I have to talk about Tom Sandoval and Katie Maloney's outfits. They're shocking to the eye. They're very shocking to the eye. And we'll get into it when we talk Vanderpump Rules, but I just have to say, uh, they need to cool it. Okay, so um, uh, Real Houses of Beverly Hills. So we open with that whole thing with Kath and Kyle. Kyle's hand was shaking, which I didn't notice last week. But the American woman of it all, Kyle wanted the sisters and the family to watch. But they only watched the trailer. They weren't interested. The kids, Paris, Nikki, all the kids, pushed them together eventually. And then the show brought Kyle and Kath together, too. And here's the thing. I know Kim and Kyle have had so much drama on the show. And I don't want that for Kath and Kyle. And quite frankly, even if Kim comes back, I want them to all just get along. Like, I would love to just see a nice, fun scene of them just having a good old time together, making each other laugh, being kooky. Like, that's enough for me with Kath, Kim, and Kyle. 
And I'm sure the drama will come out eventually, but I'd like at least one more season where we get all three sisters being kooky. Just kooky. That's all I want is kooky. Kooky. We got enough drama going on with the bamboozled Jane of it all. We know she's coming back and there's going to be all sorts of legal stuff. So just let him be kooky. Uh, Kath, though, does say that Paula is the lady. So that was a missing thread for us throughout the season. We were wondering who is the lady that delivered Kath's purse. And it's Paola. And I saw and I think, watch what happens live. She was like trying to protect the lady, she said. She said she didn't know if the woman would want her name on the camera or whatever. So I'm not sure if I believe that. I do actually think Kath was lying to our faces, but it is what she said. So I had to report that. Kathy does say that they eat on tray tables every night. I'm also not sure if I believe that either, because they got such a large staff at the house. Unless it's, I don't know, maybe she meant on the days the staff is off or something. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'm just super happy that Kath and Kyle, the show, brought them together. I think they're having a good, solid time together. I always think uh, my brother, I have two older brothers, and my middle brother, uh, I had transferred colleges when I was in college, and I got to live with my brother. And I value that time so much because him and my oldest brother, they lived together throughout college. And I was always jealous of the relationship that they were able to form over that period of time of living together. And when you work together or live together, you just form a bond that is different than, you know, uh, other relationships. And so in college, I got to live with my brother Brian for a couple of years. And I feel lucky that I had that time because uh, it's important. And I felt like we were able to develop a relationship that was just a little bit stronger. Obviously, we're really super close, all of us, because we're family. But, you know, I think work and living can really push you together in different ways. So that was nice. And as adults, too, I mean, you know, obviously we grew up as kids together, but when you're an adult and you're already developed your own sort of individuality and getting to live or work with the person, I think is, is special. Although I also don't think people should work together. You know, I know I'm not making any sense right now, but I do also. <laughs> On the housewives, it's one thing, but you know, in an office atmosphere, I don't think it's good for people to work together in the family. Okay, I don't know if I made any sense. I feel like I just talked talked out of both sides of my ass. Is that a saying? I feel like I did that. Uh, anyway, then, uh, speaking of siblings, Garcelle, you know, she talks about how she couldn't remember the one sibling's name. And I thought, you know, she's busy. She's a gal on the go. Got a hundred jobs. She's working at the the talk or, um, you know, she's on the reel. She's talking, she's on the reel. She's got acting jobs. She's got that one movie that she's developing. And uh, she's on this show, so she's busy. I didn't uh, feel bad that she didn't know the sister's name, but apparently they had a falling out. And that's when I thought, uh-oh. I have the no, f- chills. No. Maybe we need to bring Garcelle's forgotten sister on the program, because it sounds like they got a dynamic that I'm interested in. If we're going to just let the Richard sisters be kooky, maybe we bring on Garcelle's sister and we get some of that information going. You know, that's some storyline waiting to ex- be explored. Waiting to be explored. Uh, Andy also reveals that Kathy was voted the favorite Richard sister. And I just don't really love this Kim erasure. You know, I love Kathy. I do love my Kath. But I just uh, hope that we all respect Kim. She was giving us the kooky Kath energy way before Kath was on this program. And she was eating the deodorizer. She was talking about Arabian horse. She was giving it to us turtles the whole nine. And so I just like us to respect what Kim brought to the show because now we're all celebrating Kath as we should. But let's not remember. Uh, our dear Kim Richards. Let's not forget our dear Kim Richards. Let's not unremember our dear Kim Richards. Then we cut to our Crystal package. Now, Crystal, she uh, talked about her eating disorder. We go into the ugly leather pants thing, which really was a moment. And they all are surveyed who would wear the leather pants. And Kath says she wouldn't. They wouldn't look good on her. And so Kath knows her style, her body, all of it. Sutton does reveal, she's like, a lot of people wouldn't like my shit that I wear because a lot of stuff is crazy. And they show all of Sutton's crazy styles, and I get that. I, I respected that she said that. And then we talk about the coat thing, which I had completely forgotten about that coat thing. I know we spent like so much time on that coat thing at the beginning of the season, but it feels like we've had a lifetime since that coat thing happened. And I, I honestly, it was over it. I felt like we spent too much time at the beginning of the season with that word violate, and I just... I understand what Crystal was saying. I understand why Sutton was mad about the word violate. Like, I get all sides of the story. I'm just not interested anymore. But what I am interested in and what I do have to just scold you all on, I hope it's not our listeners that are doing this, but there's people that are reaching out to Crystal and being racist and mean, and you need to stop, okay? You need to stop. Because look at you, she was crying on stage. You know what I thought when I saw that? Jerk. Yeah, you little jerks who messaged Crystal and said mean things. You can't do it. I'm done. I'm done. You can't do it. 
I mean, I've said that before on the show. You need to stop. I understand even if you don't like a housewife, there's lines that you cannot cross people. So we need to be respectful of that. And uh, stop being assholes, okay? Stop being little jerks. Look what you did, you little jerk. (laughs) Maybe I need to keep that sound. Maybe I need to keep Uncle Frank on the soundboard. We might have to do it. Uh, It was funny, though, in the Crystal package, because we were talking about her culture, which I really loved getting to know Crystal's culture when they were making the dumplings and all that kind of thing. And when they showed the dumplings clip, it made me laugh so hard because we saw Rena just being like, I did a dumpling! Like, she's shouting that she did a dumpling. It made me laugh. (laughs) Then we get this fashion montage. You guys, this fashion montage. Okay. First of all, have we heard the rumors that Dorit might be on the chopping block? Dorit's really the one who brought a lot of the fashion to the show. I think Bamboozle Jane sort of started off, and then Dorit took it to the next level. And there's these rumors, because Dorit was out of the country with PK. PK! Baby! We going out of the country, baby! They went out of the country, baby. And uh, apparently they were filming. The other gals were filming. So now people are saying maybe Dorit's like a friend of, maybe she's on Main Housewife. And look, I wouldn't be surprised because I can't imagine uh, the paychecks, uh, the money that Bravo is spending on this franchise uh, out the wazoo, out the wazoo. And so I'd imagine they got to cut back somewhere. And Kathy's probably getting a raise. You know, they need Kathy back. She's only a friend of, but I'm sure she's getting a raise. And uh, all the women usually season to season, I think they get a little raise. And uh, they can't give them all a raise. They can't keep all of these women around. And at that point, they got to look at their cast and say, who can we lose? We can't lose Bamboozle Jane. She's bringing all the viewers. So they got to pay her. Uh, and then we, uh, I personally think I'd rather have maybe Dorit around than Rinna. But however, I do understand because Rinna's on Bamboozle Jane's side. So they need someone to back her up and, you know, back that racehorse up. And so I think they looked at the uh, the cast and said, maybe we need to demote Dorit. And I'm not sure it's a good idea or a bad idea. I'm not sure how I feel. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Uh, but we see this whole fashion montage. And of course, Dorit's got all the expensive clothes. And all the women, we see Sutton's got the real expensive Cartier bracelet. We see Crystal's got the $95,000 purse. The whole nine, all the women. And then we see Rinna in the garage with her clothes. <laughs> <laughs> It was just so funny seeing it all together played like that, because it was like, all the women have so much money, and they're so rich, and then it was like, Rinna's in the garage with her dress from 94. (laughs) And I know it was obvious, it was like, designer, I get it, it was designer, vintage, all that stuff, but it was like, all the women had these really current designer purses, and jewels, and all all of that kind of stuff, and then it was like, Rinna's in the garage, at that rat-infested house, you know? Her house is beautiful, don't get me wrong, but she was clear that she had a rat problem on the show, so I'm not speaking out of turn when I say that she did have a rat problem. Uh, but And she's in her garage. The clothes are in the garage. She did say she eventually moved them, which good. Andy texted her and said, Rena, you got to move the clothes. You got to move the clothes. Rena, what are you doing? Lips, Rena, you got to move the clothes into something special, into a different uh, storage unit or something. And so she did. She's not going to be in the garage no more. But all the other women, they had all these things. And then uh, we talk about uh, what Kyle got for anniversary. She lost those earrings that Mo gave her on Watch What Happens Live. And you guys, I don't remember ever seeing this happen on Watch What Happens Live, where uh, Kyle was a guest. Mauricio, Mo, uh, Maurice, he wasn't even there. He gave some jewels to Andy to give to Kyle. You guys, I could not believe this. I don't remember ever seeing this. Do you remember seeing this? And it was very odd to me because I... Did he say it was an anniversary gift or just a gift? Unclear, but it doesn't matter. It was like diamonds gifted to Kyle through the host of a TV show. It's a very strange thing to me, especially when you're married to the woman. I don't understand that. The only thing I was thinking is maybe Maurice got like a good deal on those diamond earrings. Eventually, someone stole them the way that Kyle stole someone's goddamn house. Uh, but she no longer has the diamonds because of it. And I just could not believe my eyes. I know a lot of crazy things has happened, have happened over the years on Watch What Happens Live. I don't know if you guys remember when he did the New Year's Eve. I know Andy's on CNN now, but remember that one unhinged New Year's Eve party they did? I just remember uh, LVP's dog and a disco ball. And I think uh, it was just pure chaos. Pure chaos. And I sort of miss, uh, we love Watch What Happens Live now, but I sort of miss a lot of that unhinged early behavior. Like that time when Kim uh, Kim Zolciak called in from the Bahamas and her and Nini just got in a fight over the phone. I mean, that was television. That was television, you guys. I have the no, f- chills. No. I mean, some of the things that have happened on that program, 
And the Kyle getting the diamonds was not even in the top 10. I don't even remember that happening. But apparently she did. Kathy says for her anniversary, though, she just gets a shell, a sterling silver shell. You know, they're too rich. Her and, her and uh, uh, whatever, the Rick, they're too rich. She gives them a sweater. That's it. They buy what they want. They get what they want. They don't need anything anymore. So I understand that. Did you guys see uh, Paris has got a new show and Kath's going to be on it? And the, uh, Kyle the Splits is going to be on it, too. Splits shows up in a cameo in the trailer. I don't know if she's going to be a main cast member, but Splits is there. She split right into frame and Kath is there, too. There's a the whole thing about Kath wanting to invite 70 people to the wedding. It's going to be on Peacock. It's all about Paris getting married. And so I'm going to be watching it. I'm excited to tune into the Peacock, however we do that. I'm not sure yet exactly. We all got to figure out how to work that streaming system. I mean, I know we got too many to watch. So we're going to have to figure that out. Uh, we're going to have to tune in. Then, uh, let's see. Uh, Kath, we have a whole another package with Kath about her being stupid. And I love it. I don't think Kath is actually stupid. I should say quirky. That's really the word it is. But she needs the fan. We talk about the fan. And Big Cath had a giant fan, too. So we know the ghost of Big Cath is always living over this program. And it continues this week as we learn about Big Cath needing a big-ass fan in the room. And not just the little fan. Like, our little Cath got the little fan. But Big Cath apparently had some big-ass fan. I couldn't believe that. And then it was revealed that I didn't know this. I, I feel like maybe they talked about it, but I don't remember that. I don't really remember that Kath lived at the Waldorf Astoria for nine years with the family. I was surprised by that. And I love the idea of them living the sweet life of Paris and Nikki, you know, much like the sweet life of Zach and Cody on the Disney Channel, where we're all just living at a hotel or that show or or that movie Dunstan Checks In. Remember that boy with the the boy with the monkey? And then they had a hotel. That was a cinema. That was cinema. I mean, Jason Alexander played the hotel manager, or maybe the father, I can't remember. But I do remember that there was a monkey, and they lived in a hotel. And it was played by the boy, I think, from the Santa Claus. Um, So there you go. That's coming out of my memory right now. Dunstan checked in. He checked right on in. And I bet you, I wouldn't be surprised if Kath had a monkey, too. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that film was based on the Hilton family. Because it feels right in my head as we're talking about it. It feels right. Uh, so they talk about Kath uh, cutting hair and doing dentistry and all that. And Rinna does say, Andy asks, like, how many of you would let Kath cut your hair? And Rinna raised her hand because she needs a storyline for next season. So she said, yeah, I'll do it. I would do it. And I think the only reason Rinna was saying that, because Rinna's hair actually looks great the past few years, aside from that one scene, you guys know I was critical about that one scene, but otherwise Rinna's hair is looking good. I like that she's wearing the long hair, she's got the straight hair, she's doing different stuff with her hair, and I think it looks great, truthfully. Uh, but we do know she doesn't have much storyline. The daughter broke up with Scott Disick, so now uh, Rinna's storyline is probably next season going to be that Kath cuts her hair. And that's troubling to me. And that's something that the casting people should look out for. You know, I'm just saying producers don't let a whole cast member just get by with just having another one cut their hair. That's not enough for us. We need a little bit more if you're going to keep someone around. I know she's going to be on Bamboozle Jane's side. We know how that's going to play out. Uh, but if I have to see a solo scene of Kath cutting Rena's hair, uh, I think we're going to have a problem. We're going to share, <laughs> we're going to share some words. Bravo. No, I love you guys. I love you guys. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Okay, so then uh, we go to commercial, and we come back, and we see in between the commercial where Andy gives that barbecue comment, like, I'm going to skewer you up. And then the Bravo editor shows that ankle story that doesn't make a lick of sense. You know, that doesn't make any sense. They show all the stories together. So they show a few seasons ago when she said, my husband broke his ankle, and it's he's he's going to be fine. It was just he's a big baby about it. And then they showed, like, this season, early on in the season, when – he rolled down the fucking hill. And then they show later in the season when they say, oh, he rolled down the fucking hill. And she's like, allegedly. You know, and they're like, what the fuck do you mean, allegedly? But anyway, seeing it all pieced together like that, you know, I thought, there's your smoking gun. There's your smoking gun. The feds are watching that. That's what those feds are thinking. They just got all the info they needed. <laughs> I'm so curious about that footage. You know, we've heard about... I've read in page six that they they need the footage from Bravo or the production company. And I'm so curious, did they get the footage? What are they thinking? And these feds, is there someone on the feds side who's never watched the show? You know, are they getting hooked? Because in my mind, it's impossible not to get hooked on these shows. So I imagine someone, they go to school and they become a, a FBI person. Um, and suddenly 
they're not someone who's watching t- a lot of TV, and suddenly they're watching all of this unearthed footage from the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and I feel like they're getting addicted. And then they're uh, turning on Bravo at night when they get home from work, and they're just watching the other shows. So I'm curious if the feds are watching Winter House. Maybe we need to get them on the show for a recap, because I can't imagine you could just watch all that footage from Beverly Hills and not watch a bra- another Bravo show. Because one show leads to the next. We all know that. Uh, we all know how it's like a drug, you know, one leads to the next. That's how Bravo shows are. You get hooked on one and then you get hooked on them all. Suddenly you're watching Camp Getaway at 10 p.m. at night. And you can't even imagine how you got there. But it's because Bravo, they bamboozle all of us and they it, treat it like a drug. You want, you will get a little taste and then you want more and more and more. And so these feds or the FBI or the lawyers or whoever's watching this footage, I need to hear from them. I need to know if they're watching Winter House, what they thought of Après Ski, uh, who they want back from Gallery Girls. I need the whole nine. You know, what do they think about A Real House of Dubai? Let's figure it all out. Let's figure it all out. Uh, okay, what else is going on? Oh, so then Andy goes in on her and... Andy asks her, like, who are you against? Are you keeping score? You know, that all that whole thing. She's like, I'm going to remember who is with me and who is against me. And it's like, who the fuck cares? Like, <laughs> it's so weird to me. I know we talked about that when it aired in the episode a few weeks ago, too, when she said the same thing of like, I'm watching all of you and I know which, who's doing what. I'm keeping score. And it's like, well, what are you going to do? Like, are you just going to get mad at them? Like, what do they care? They're all rich and not in jail. Like, what do they care <laughs> It's like such a weird thing to me because like it's not like she's giving them like what is what is she providing them that she's all of a sudden going to take away when she's through all this legal stuff like her friendship it's like if they don't even want her friendship what the fuck do they care and you know how I feel I don't think any of them will be each other's friends after the show's over you know I think they're all just coworkers so uh, it's like what are you going to do who cares you're keeping score what the fuck does Sutton care she ain't going to talk to you when this show's over she's your castmate same with Rinna I believe and Dorit PK is not going to give a shit if uh, you're keeping score what does he care uh, but Erica's mad about the PK and Mo stuff and Dorit's like the story got jumbled and confused you know she's trying to explain that whole fight that was going or the whole laughing fit scene that we saw which was truly a hysterical scene, but Erica's pissed about it. And I understand why Erica's pissed, too, because they were all literally just laughing at her. They weren't even laughing with her. And Dorit could say all she wants. It it just got jumbled, and Kyle was like, you know, I felt really bad after that scene. But it's like they were all laughing too hard. For (laughs) They were cracking up. Like, they were laughing so hard at this woman and all of her trials and tribulations. So I understand why she was pissed about it. And no one can explain it away. What they should have just said is like, yeah, that was fucked up. Like, that's what Kyle and Dorit should have said. Because that was fucked up, and that's all there is to it. Uh, then uh, they ask Erica questions. Garcelle asked why she didn't understand uh, that the group wanted to know what was going on. And she's like, it's not about you. You know, she's all, she's like so rude to these people. And honestly, aside from all of the legal drama... Somebody needs to speak up and say, you're being an asshole to us on this stage, on camera, on television. So taking all that other shit out of the equation, you need to stop being a jerk. Look what you did, you little jerk. Because that's honestly like I'm the way she's talking to these people. And Crystal said something like, why aren't you mad at him? And she said it pretty calmly. Like, I didn't think it was Crystal didn't raise her voice or anything like that. And then Erica just asked her a bunch of questions. Oh, am I giving it enough to you? This is what I said earlier. Don't you remember that I said that earlier? And I'd be like, you know what? You need to fucking cool it. You need to cool it because she's just being so rude and no one's calling her out on the rudeness. And I get that she's going out, uh, going through a lot of stuff, but that doesn't give you carte blanche to just be an asshole to everybody on stage. All those women are just taking it up the ass from this woman who's yelling and being mean to them. And honestly, on no other franchise, I can't imagine uh, on any of the other franchises, not on Jersey, Dallas, even you know Dallas. I don't give Dallas a lot of credit, but I can't imagine those women wouldn't fight back a little bit if somebody's being such an asshole to them on the reunion stage. Uh, Jersey, uh, Atlanta, none of them would take it. None of them. New York, could you imagine? Even Luann or Sonia, they'd all be giving it back to them. Dorinda, I'd like to get Dorinda in there. Honestly, get Dorinda on that stage because Dorinda's taking nobody's shit. Dorinda would let her have it. She'd say, you're not talking to me like that. I'll tell you how I'm doing. Not well, bitch. 
Another thing Erica lied to us about was that the LA Times article, she said, I didn't have a heads up about an article because they said she all leave the La Quinta thing early and they think she got a heads up about the article. And she said, I didn't get a heads up. And I thought, you're lying to us because they would have called and asked her for a quote or at least her representatives, they would have reached out and said, do you want to respond to this? We're printing it. That's how uh, journalists do things. It's a thing. So I don't imagine. And I tried to look up the article. I did read it when it come, came out. So don't get me wrong. I did read it. However, I tried to relook it up and it was behind the paywall and I didn't want to pay uh, to read it again since I've already read it once. So I don't know. Usually at the bottom of the article, they'll say, we reached out to Girardi, whoever, Bamboozle Jane for comment and they didn't want to comment. So I couldn't confirm that. But almost every journalist, if they're writing a story about someone, of course, they reach out for a comment to say, hey, do you want to respond to any of this? We're going to print it. So for her to just say like, oh, I had no heads up. I was like, okay, lion. Liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> I don't buy that. It's a bag of bullshit. And honestly, we all need to be better consumers here and understand that that's all a bunch of bullshit. That's what I believe. Maybe I'm wrong, though. What do I know? Although I'm not. Anyway, Andy points out that there are victims here. And Erica's just sort of staring. Andy's trying to tell her, like, look, none of this looks good. And Erica says, well, I understand that there are victims. However, we're a long way from finding out. I love my husband. How do you think I feel? And it's like, okay, we get how you feel. We understand that. And Sutton even said she's playing the victim this season. She's like, I'm not playing the victim. And it's like, we've heard you say how you feel. She said, look at my fucking life. And it's like, look at the fucking lives of these burn victims and orphans and widows who've not gotten their monies. And that's all people are trying to tell her is that it's not coming across. And she doesn't seem to get it. She just doesn't seem to get it, even with the social media stuff, which, by the way, Another thing I have to point out is she says, well, that's work and that's money and all that stuff. And some of those posts aren't. You can see what a post is at. When somebody does an Instagram sponsorship, they have to write hashtag ad, hashtag sponsored. They have to tag the people, the clothing company. So uh, it's not all ads. There have been times on social media where she's posted things like there was that one sort of uh, cartoon image of the cross, Erica J on the cross. I don't think that was an ad. I don't think that was making her any money. So that's not – we're also lying here about that. I believe, because they're not all ads. Some of them might be ads, and I get that. Maybe the lingerie company's paying you a lot of money to post on, uh, post your bubbies out. But some of the other things I don't think are ads, so stop saying like everything I got to post for ads, because I don't believe that. I'm sorry, I'm getting worked up on this show. I'm getting so worked up this week. I feel like this is the most worked up I've been on this show. I, I don't know what it is. This I felt like she was so defensive, and now I'm getting worked up about it. Getting worked up. Uh, they talk about the Instagram stuff, and Andy says, look, it lands differently when there are victims involved. And all the financials at Girardi Keys, she says she doesn't know about any of those financials, and they all say they believe her. Garcelle does point out, she says, well, I think Erica didn't want to know. And that's the problem here, really, is that she must have seen all this money coming in, but she didn't want to know exactly where it came from. And then Crystal speaks up and she says, where's your anger towards your husband? And that's when she got defensive and went after Crystal. Rinna stuck up for her. And Erica says, you don't know what I will do to my husband. You just will have to see, won't you? And it's like, okay, I didn't buy any of it. I actually, last week I felt like I was getting a little more on her side. I don't know if you guys felt that way. And then this week I felt the opposite. And I know we're on this roller coaster with Bravo and they're purposely doing it, putting on us on this roller coaster. But this week, I really was not, I wasn't buying any of it, but maybe I was just in a mood or something. I'm wondering how you guys were feeling about it. Were you buying it this week or were you not buying it? Were you buying it or were you not buying it? Uh, next week on the show, it's revealed that Tom called her five times that day. She cries. Erica calls Sutton to see you next Tuesday, which, by the way, we're going to talk about Vanderpump Rules, but I still can't believe that they programmed a whole night at Sir. <laughs> I mean, it makes me laugh because it's so inappropriate. But Lisa Vanderpump, or whoever the Sir owners are, uh, that guy, what's that guy's name? The hot old man. And Diana, who Kristen once told to suck a dick. All those people, they programmed a night at Sir that's based on that word. See you next Tuesday. And I know that they don't spell out that word, but it's really shocking. Anyway, next week, Erica calls Sutton that. And then Andy brings up the money situation and the accident. And uh, that's that's it. That's what's going on. I'm sure I missed some things. It was all happening so fast. And there was one point even where she said something about, you can see what the firm made every year. And it's like, well, she, I thought I heard her say it. Maybe I heard it wrong. But I thought, well, if we can all see what the firm made, wouldn't you have known what the firm made? Like, how are you claiming that you didn't know what the money was and then saying we can all see what the firm made? I, I didn't 
I, I, I don't know. I don't understand it. But you guys, that's The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And we end next week. And I'm devastated about it. I don't want it to end. Because I'm feeling good, feeling great, feeling grand. And I don't know what we're going to do without them. I hope Salt Lake City, we're getting into all the legal stuff there pretty soon. So hopefully that'll fill the void left by The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and the legal uh, legal drama that we love watching play out. Uh, because we're going to need something. We're going to need something. Okay, you guys, shall we take a break and come back and talk Vanderpump Rules? Icons, when picking a commerce platform for your business, you have two choices. Frustration? Ah! Or sales. I prefer don't you? That's the sound you'll hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell, online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Now, Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling your business's complexity. No matter how big you grow, step up to Shopify and harness the best converting checkout and the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands like here at Everything Iconic. We use this as well, but also Ruggable, Allbirds. I love my Allbirds. I love my Ruggable. Brooklyn and so many others. I can say from experience that it's really easy to use. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache. But Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate everything over super easy and conveniently. And I feel like after months of hard work creating the look and feel of your brand, it can be soul crushing when your commerce platform makes it blend in with the rest. But when you switch to Shopify, you'll regain control of your brand's look and store functionality thanks to stylish, no code themes. It truly could not be easier your customizations, and advanced shopping features that keep your customers coming back. So stop leaving sales on the table. Switch your business to Shopify and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their business. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic, shopify.com slash everything iconic. The Underpump Rules, I just have a few thoughts. First of all, I'm liking this episode. I thought the first good episode of the season to me. It felt natural. I think there was some stuff that was a little scripted-y. I think the whole thing with Lala bringing up the situation with Brock and Sheena, obviously, he told her off-camera because he didn't want it to be on-camera. And then she brought it up to Sheena at the tea party, which, if she really cared about Sheena, she would have brought it up on-camera because it's really hurting her friend. Although... Brock's on this reality show. Of course, his demons are going to come out. And if you sign up for the reality show, you have to expect that those demons are going to come out. And on some level, I do feel like Lala was playing the game of a reality TV star, and we need that. Otherwise, we got nothing on this show, because I can't watch him play pickleball for another week. I can't do it. I cannot do it. Do you hear me? I can't do it. I can't do it. I cannot do it. If I see one more fucking pickle game, pickleball game... They did it again. It was like Raquel goes to Lala House and they do a competition. It's like, we just did that. And usually on these shows, you get one of the things and then they don't do it again for the whole season. So if you get the axe throwing or the goat yoga, we see it once and then we move on. And here on Vanderpump Rules, we're doing pickleball two weeks in a row. And that was just way too much for me. And I don't understand that choice at all. Uh, however, I do. So I like that Lala is playing the game because we need something else. Otherwise, we got nothing on this show. And I feel like we finally got a storyline going on. And we need more, too. I mean, that can't be it. Uh, obviously, there are some other high points. I think the whole thing with Tom and Katie is really interesting. The Their whole process of wanting to have a child. And I think that it was so brave of Katie to open up about her abortion and talk about it in, a, in such a, a an upfront way and being so honest and open about it. And Katie, this episode, that was the MVP moment for me because I could only imagine how difficult it was. And I think a lot of people could relate to that. And it was very helpful for people to see. However, she lost me then when she wore the uh, outfit to the infertility clinic and she had the thing. I I don't even know how to explain it. I don't even know what to say about that outfit. It was like an odd color pant mixed with the t-shirt top that had the the Muppet fur uh, around the arms honestly surprising. And it was an episode where we got a lot of surprising looks. Tom Sandoval showed up in a bolo tie for a McDonald's night and he had the cowboy hat. I don't know why he had the cowboy hat. I mean, is Tom Sandoval, is he trolling us? Is he trying to look crazy? I love Thomas, but I don't know what the fuck he's wearing. What the fuck? 
I didn't understand any of the outfits. There was a few of his outfits. And that one time, he's wearing like the the baggy pant when he was looking for the flowers with that. I, I don't even know how to explain it, you guys. And I know he's got the new facial hair. I actually like the facial hair this season. But the outfits, you guys, I every outfit is crazier than the last. Every time he appears on screen, I'm like, what? <laughs> what is going on? What is happening? So between him and Katie, I'm like, do we own a mirror in the Valley Village? Is there any mirrors around? And they both got significant others. I wish somebody would step up and say, you know, we need Ariana. We need Tom Schwartz. And, you know, here's the thing. With Tom and Katie, Tom Sandoval and Katie, they're at odds all the time. And I see both sides. I do think, look, Katie's married to Tom Schwartz. If she wants to get involved in the business that he's starting, by all means, she should do it. However, I also understand Tom Sandoval's point of view because he's starting a business with this man. And then now uh, the man's wife wants to be involved, and we don't even have an exact role for her. We're all just sort of figuring it out on the fly. So I understand both sides of that coin. But what I do want to say is I think Tom Sandoval and Katie are more alike than they seem. And I honestly this week was thinking like, oh, maybe they should be together. We love Tom Schwartz and we love Ariana. You know, I love the two of them. But I was watching it this week. I was like, oh, maybe that would be a good pairing because they bicker, but in a way that I feel like is sexually charged almost. And they're both wearing the crazy outfits. I was like, oh, maybe they're meant for each other in a weird fucked up way. Maybe they're meant for each other. I don't know. But I think uh, everything going on with Brock is fascinating. I had no idea about the domestic violence situation. That was shocking to me. And I I don't know if that was like out in the news or in the blogs or if anyone had picked up on it, but I certainly did not know about it. I knew he didn't see the kids for four years. And I knew that there was like some issue there, but I didn't imagine there was like a domestic abuse. But then Sheena was sort of saying it was a lie, but like I'm I don't understand what the truth is or where the truth lies exactly. I'm not sure. It was sort of weird, though, that they went to Lisa Vanderpump's house for a tea party, because it's like, why are we hanging out with Lisa Vanderpump? I mean, I know that she's the producer of this show, but it doesn't make any sense how we're just shoving her in there. And Lisa's got the uh, filter on her face. Like, I don't know what filter that is, but we're all noticing it. And at some point, somebody's got to call it out. I don't know. The producers need to let us know why she's got the filter on her when no one else does. Because when they're cutting, they're doing a close-up of Katie Maloney's face and then a close-up of Lisa Vanderpump's face, and they look totally different. One of them looks like they got Vaseline on the camera lens, and the other one doesn't. It's like, okay, we noticed that. We're not – we have eyes. We're all just – act. they're acting like we don't have eyes. That's why I feel like they're editing the show, like we don't have eyes. And we do. We do. Bravo. I don't know if you hear us, but we can see you. We see what's happening. And maybe uh, they all think we don't have eyes. You know, we're talking about these outfits that are crazy. Maybe they're all just assuming that the audience has no eyes because they're trying to trick us and we're not to be tricked. And so I just wish somebody would explain the Vaseline in the lens every time Lisa Vanderpump's, why do I keep calling her Lisa? Lisa Vanderpump is on screen because we see it. We see it. Uh, Okay, what else do we want to talk about? Oh, the boys' night. I also love when we cut to boys' night, And when we cut to that weird scene of Tom Sandoval working out, we were playing like this hardcore rock music that I've never heard on Vanderpump Rules. You know, oftentimes we get kind of that party, party kind of electronica music. But this time it was like some heavy metal. I was like, oh, we're doing some heavy metal. When we opened the episode, there was that music. It was like, whoa, whoa, life goes too fast. We're going to make it last. Whoa, whoa. (laughs) And then meanwhile, we get the heavy metal music when we go into Tom's weight room. And then when we see the boys' night, and they had all that food. The food looked good to me because I was into the food. Loved it. They had the chicken wings. They had ribs. They had McDonald's. The whole nine. I really loved that. And Schwartz, you know, his sperm, something happened with the sperm head. And he was very honest and open about all of the drugs and drinking that he does. And I would like Tom to maybe step it back and maybe put down the mushrooms for at least a little while while you're trying to have a baby. And uh, just be careful with what you're drinking. We saw him having uh, four plus cocktails on screen when he said he was only supposed to have four a week. So we need you to scale back. And quite frankly, I don't know how any of these people are still alive. Okay, because I'm watching this. I'm watching Winter House. And these people are all around my age or older. And I can't imagine drinking, especially Winter House, you guys. Should we just talk about that for a minute? Winter House. The amount that they're drinking and they're older than I am. I'm like, are they, I can't even imagine waking up the next day and then have to look good on camera. I mean, and that house was such a fucking mess. I saw the house on Winter House the next day, but they're up till super late in the morning. There was one point where 
Austin like fell asleep and then he woke back up and played beer pong. And I was like, Austin, you need to go to bed. And Lindsay Hubbard, you know, she was falling over, couldn't you? She was activated, falling over in the kitchen and telling people she loved him the first night she got there. And I was like, Hubs, you need to maybe scale back on the drinking. And it makes me happy that Carl's not in this house. You know, Carl from Summer House, he is sober right now. And I'm so happy for Carl because it's not okay for him to be in this house. It would be too much for him. It would be too much for me. And uh, the, the people here are just drinking uncontrollably. And, uh, I'm so happy for Carl that he's not there. And I was shocked when Lindsay Hubbard just said, I love you. And I was like, Linz. And to Austin, no less. And that hot Italian man, Andrea, Andrea, whatever his name is, he's right there. If anyone's going to say I love you to anyone, everybody should be telling Andrea, who's delivering people coffee in the morning and all that good stuff, say you love him. Not Austin, whatever his name is. And although Paige and Craig are together in real life, they were both on Watch What Happens Live. Do you see it? I think they're actually really cute together. I do sort of love them. I was skeptical early, and now I'm kind of loving it. I, I am sort of loving it. But uh, on the show, Paige is really obsessed with Andrea. And I really just want her to hook up with Andrea. I need somebody to, I know they made out, but I want it to go even further because somebody should uh, hop on that hot dick because honestly, I like dick. Somebody should get it. And so I hope it's Paige. We don't know if it happens or if they're going to just end it soon or end it quickly, but I hope at least she hops on it for a ride because somebody should. Somebody should, because if I can't do it, somebody else should. And so I'm nominating Paige to Sorbo to do it. And now she's with Craig. And they're really cute together. But I like how just so in love she is with Andrea, because I feel like I would be that same way, even though he wouldn't even be interested in me, but I would be like, just so enamored by him. And I love the Italian accent. You know, I'm Italian. I don't have that kind of accent. I got a hard A. I do the Cleveland accent. But Andrea's accent really is a panty dropper. Really is a panty dropper. Oh, speaking of panty dropper, did you guys love that moment on Vanderpump Rules when Raquel had to say she was wet for James? That was like part of the bet she made with Lala. But I really thought that that was for a speech like at the wedding. I didn't understand that it was at the Belmont speech, but I wish it was like at the wedding that Raquel had to say that. But I was really proud of Raquel for A, doing some speaking, public speaking, good for her. Although I'm kind of done with the public speaking thing. I don't know that we need more episodes about Raquel's public speaking. That's a little worrisome to me because it feels like maybe we're leaning into that for a full season storyline and I can't do that. But I did appreciate that she was doing it here in this episode. But I wish it was like in a more public space. But it was funny just hearing her say like, yeah, and then I got wet. (laughs) Made me laugh. Uh, Brock, though, we're going to have to find out next week on Vanderpump Rules what happens next with Brock. Uh, He was upset. He said something about Lala sucking dick for a Range Rover. And uh, the episode ends with him crying. Winter House ends with... Lindsay and Austin and Sierra and a love triangle. We're going to see how that plays out. Got a lot to watch, you guys. We also got to watch Uncle Frank on Secession. Look what you did, you little jerk. Anyway, you guys, that's my recaps for today. I do have a short interview with a friend, Chris Baker, who was just on Watch What Happens Live, actually, with Ariana and Craig and Paige. He was the bartender. He's got a new movie called The Estate Out. He's uh, Lala actually has a small role in it. So we talk a little bit about that and his new movie. So I hope you'll stick around for our chat. Uh, I want to leave you guys with this. I love you all so much for listening. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. You can check out all the links in the episode description for uh, the Patreon page or if you want to pre-order my book on March 8th and all of that good stuff. And uh, I love you all so much for listening. For all episodes of Everything Iconic, go to acast.com slash everythingiconic. Also, I just launched my holiday spinoff podcast. We're in season three. It's called A Very Merry Iconic Podcast. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. We just did a Hocus Pocus episode. And then in a couple weeks, we'll be back with our Christmas episodes where my co-host and I recap Christmas, Christmas movies And we just talk shit for a a while and we have a good time. So check that out. I love you all. And uh, please enjoy. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. 
I'm here with the star, the writer of the new movie, The Estate, which is available on demand and it's in theaters. Chris Baker. Chris, how are you doing today? Good, Danny. How are you? Thank you for having me. Good. Welcome back to Everything Iconic. You were on years ago and I'm happy to have you back. And you have this movie that uh, I'm so, I, I saw it and I loved it and I'm so proud and it's so exciting. How are you feeling now that it's sort of out in the wild? It feels nuts. I think, you know, the last three weeks have been very intense. Uh, I got married and uh, my movie came out. And and so I think it's just very overwhelming, really, really overwhelming. Well, congratulations on both. I also have to congratulate you on working with Lala from Vanderpump Rules. Tell me, everyone wants to know, what was it like working with Lala? She has a cameo in the movie. She plays my uh, long lost sister that I have to kill to get my inheritance. And uh, she came in and we have fight scene with uh, my co-star, Greg Finley. And she has to, um, (laughs) part of the fight choreography is she has to uh, use her dildo as a weapon. So um, it speaks to the campiness and the, the, just the, the tone that we're going for. And she was so game. She did all her own stunts. And she looked so good. She looked so good. I remember the makeup girls were like, how beautiful is she? And and she made this really funny joke where the director, James Kapner, was telling her to uh, give a certain expression when she turned around and we first see her. And she made this joke. She's like, my face is too frozen. I can't do that. You have to give me something else to do. <laughs> <laughs> an actress. That's she was, an actress. She was so good. And she was so game. And, and she was so fun to have on set. She was great. Okay, I know you're a Bravo fan. Were you like, we need to get somebody from a Bravo show on here? Or what was that? I specifically requested Lala and our casting director was like, I have no idea who that is. I'm like, I feel so badly for you because she is the absolute best. And she read the script and she called us like a day later. And she was so on it. And when we talked about the script on FaceTime, it was so clear that she had read it and that She'd done her due diligence. She took it very seriously. And I was just so impressed with her all the way through. You know, the movie is very much like a, it reminded me of something we'd see in the late nineties, very much like a wild things. Wild things, cruel intentions. Yeah. And it just feels like that type of movie is never made anymore, unfortunately. And one of the things that I found so refreshing was that it was all of those things, but it was also very gay. Although Wild Things, of course, has some iconic gay imagery. I think uh, it was it was refreshing. Was there any pushback or or were you was there ever a point as you were writing this movie like, oh, maybe the leads need to be straight or something like that? We met with people that their initial feeling was um, that no movies are gay. Mm -hmm. Uh, So don't even bother. And I remember uh, someone saying to me that um, unless the character has AIDS or is bashed in the head to death for coming out of the closet or something, there is no market for uh, a main character in a film who's gay. I, I have main character syndrome. I, I, I always have. And I think that um, I've gone on so many auditions for gay roles and they are what you expect. Um, I think there's been a lot of strides in TV uh, for the, I think the, the wealth of, you know, diversity that our community has. Um, but for us to have, this script and, and this film that has a gay male character, but also we opened the movie with um, an amazing trans actress named Alexandra Billings and Heather Matarazzo is in it as well. And she's uh, to have these people who are part of our community and also behind the camera as well. I think it spoke to the future of what the movie industry should be. And, and the movie industry really is the final frontier. You know, I think we have gay pop stars. I think we have gay TV stars, but we have no gay male movie stars. And um, I, I'm, I, I hope that there's a step in the right direction and I, and, um, I hope that people see the movies so that they, that there can be more of them. That's the only reason that's the only way this is going to happen. Yeah. And you know, uh, there's this whole debate right now. There's a new Marvel movie called the Eternals. And I was reading about how there's like a, a little bit of a sex scene in it. And it's like, we've had so many of these Marvel movies and there's no sexuality in any of them. Yeah. And that was another thing that uh, coming back to your movie where it was like, I like that this is a movie that gets to be sexual and we're naked a lot. Yeah. A lot of nudity, (laughs) a lot of great gay nudity, but also it's like, 
why in movies now are we not having sex in these movies? Like, or as much as I, I don't mean to shit on the Marvel movies because we love those movies. Yeah, yeah. No, we love Marvel we movies. We love those movies. On record, but there's you know, no yeah. sensuality at all to no. them. They rarely smile, too. I, I mean, mo- movies in general today on a large scale, I mean, I think about the biggest male movie stars we have, like The Rock. I've never seen him kiss, I don't think, someone on or like have a love scene or something. I remember if we're talking about Wild Things and Cruel Intentions, you know, Kevin Bacon and Ryan Phillippe accounted, and their nudity accounted for a lot of that, those box office oh, yeah. receipts. And oh, yeah. I think there's something about, the, the again, the movie industry in particular where there are there are worries about the global market for any film no matter how small or how big and when they're looking at china when they're looking at russia they want the characters to be in these tight suits and look really good and they can be shirtless but it can't be in a sexual context and i, I it is very strange and i think that going to the movies to ogle at someone in the dark with a whole bunch of other strangers at a screen to marvel at these beautiful bodies and everything that is inherently sexual, whether people like it or not. And I think that that eroticism to explore again in films is something that um, we should definitely bring back. And that yeah. the estate on demand now and in select theaters uh, d- definitely does that. I mean, I can only imagine if I was a young gay kid in Ohio or closeted gay kid, I never got a chance to see a movie like this. I mean, wild things really was the closest thing to this that, I remember of, uh, you know, we got a couple of movies here and there, but in terms of like the sens- sexuality in a movie while also being a thriller and I, I don't know, all these elements. I don't yeah. Know. I think that they're the way that the characters manipulate each other with sex to, as a means to their own selfish ends uh, is something that I really enjoyed writing. I really enjoyed performing it. And, you know, Eliza Coop was, is my, you know, buddy in the film she plays my wicked stepmother and and we know her from happy endings too we love her from happy endings yes if people know happy endings it's their favorite show and she is so good in this she has i i I have to say she has all the best lines (laughs) she has all the best outfits and she was just this evil blonde barbie doll who just steals every scene that she's in and just chews up the scenery there was nothing that i would tell her to say either in between takes or like in a scene or whatever that she would get that morning that she wouldn't say she was game for it all. We were so lucky to have her. Right. Chris, what's the elevator pitch for our listeners? What do you, uh, how are we getting them to watch this movie? We need them to support the film. Yeah, we do. We do. It's also Um, fucked up. I'd say it's fucked up. Like it's, (laughs) it's fucked up in the best of ways, but it is fucked up. So I want people to know when they turn it on, it's like fucked up. It's very fucked up. It's, um, it's demented. It is, uh, I think it, the best way that I can describe it is 90 minutes of naughty, bloody, sexy fun. I love that. Chris, uh, before I let you go, I want to get your thoughts on some of the stuff that's happening in the Bravo world. What are you thinking of the Real Houses of Beverly Hills right now? The reunion's airing. Uh, how are you feeling about the Erica Jane of it all? Are you on her side or do you think, uh, what do you think? I am on her side as uh, because I want her to keep filming. So like, I don't, (laughs) I, I, I don't know what she knew. I don't think any of us knew uh, and can know, but I do feel like she has really made for great TV and the way that her persona affects all of the other women and kicks them all back on their heels, not just Lisa, but like all of them, it is such great TV, the best TV ever. It's It's so good. And I'm loving the, speaking of the other women, like them sort of guiding or, or piercing through all of this information and trying to figure out like, where do I stand and where should I stand because of the audience's reaction? I think there's like so many different layers to that. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, well, wait, should I support her? But then other people don't want me to support her. But then we, I feel like they also made this pact where they're always going to support each other, but then they didn't realize like this would come into play when they made that, you know, decision to always support each other. And, and I find that really, really intriguing. Chris, it was so good talking to you. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Where can they find the movie, The Estate? All of that good stuff. Um, my Instagram and Twitter handle is Baker C. Baker Do. And uh, you can watch The Estate on Apple, 
on uh, cable, Roku, uh, uh, Amazon, in select theaters, uh, all all over the place. Wherever you can rent movies, you can rent it right now. Oh, wait, one more thing. Eric Roberts is in this too. Did you ask yeah, him about Jules? Did you ask him about Jules? <laughs> was there ever time to be like, hey, tell me about Jules? I did. I asked him once and I asked him about his daughter too, Emma Roberts. And he was so funny. And he has you know, that Georgian drawl. He was like, I've been so lucky, man, you know, to have, I, I love my family. And I was like, yeah, that's, you're the best. So, yeah. yeah. I love that. Well, everyone's going to check out the estate on video on demand. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for stopping by and congratulations you, too on the wedding and the movie. It's so exciting. <laughs> thank you so much, Danny. I really appreciate this. 